from NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians. This is episode 199 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us. Next week, Ministry Monday celebrates its 200th episode. As we prepare for that 200th episode, we look back at Ministry Monday's 100th episode. Released on April 19th, 2020, the 100th episode was produced as we stepped newly into the pandemic. We were a month into a jarring Lenten and Easter season, with many of us not leading our parishes in music ministry in a normal way, if you will. Pastoral ministry had in some ways screeched to a halt in the newest ways and newest days of the pandemic. We celebrate the courage and the faith we find in episode 100 as we replay it today, as well as some special NPM guests along the way. We look forward very much to celebrating episode 200 with you next week, so stay tuned and we will see you then. In the meantime, please enjoy this replay of episode 100. Hello and welcome to Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. Well, today is our 100th episode on the podcast, and we are thrilled to still be here and serving you. When I planned for this week's episode, I thought of you. You are thousands of listeners who tune into this podcast every week, maybe as you're folding worship aids or assembling binders of choral music for the weeks ahead. Or maybe you listen as you battle traffic, or in our current situation in life, maybe you listen as you walk your dog in the morning. In whichever context you listen, we're grateful for you. You are what make this podcast keep going. And so today, I want to interview members of our listenership, people who listen who are pastoral musicians, living out their calling in music, ministry, and liturgy. Now, as we begin, I wanted to start the episode by making a phone call to the man who, in some ways, started it all. And so I called NPM founder, Father Virgil Funk. Hello? Hi, is this Father Virgil? Hi, Amanda. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am fantastic. Oh, good. To be asked to do something like this and to talk to somebody as wonderful as you 
what what a what a privilege oh thank you but really the privilege is mine really thank you you know in retrospect you know you you look at pastoral ministry today and how has it changed what do we as pastoral musicians need to be focused on right now i i just want to say that um to the to all the church musicians the pastoral musicians who are in the association i want to say how i got there because i'm a baptized disciple of jesus mm-hmm. and i believe in the resurrection of jesus and so what can you do today you can deepen your belief in the resurrection of jesus mm-hmm. uh, it gives you hope and i want to tell you why i believe i believe because i had ray brown father ray brown a great scripture scholar teach me about John's gospel. And I believe that Ray Brown believed that John believed that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's why I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So I'm two steps away from Jesus himself, John and Ray Brown, in my belief. So it's sharing your belief in the resurrection and the hope of a resurrection for me, a hope for eternal life. And um, so today's scripture from the Saturday, well, we won't, it'll be on Monday, but today's scriptures were on that to go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's what you as a pastoral musician are called to do and to proclaim the gospel. Now, of course, uh, that's a never ending process. So what's unique about the situation that we're in now? Um, how many times have you heard that this month? Mm-hmm. Uh, that it's a total unique situation as your other guests have said. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I don't have any great profound um, insights into how to cope with the virus. Uh, I know the challenges that the virus present to us, and that's that it, it it challenges the fundamental mission that we had from the Second Vatican Council, namely that we were to promote full conscious and active participation of the assembly in the ritual. The full participation requires the song that happens when we gather as a community. And so without the Kahal Yahweh, as it's known technically, at the call by God to gather, without that, uh, we have a vacuum. And we have to admit that. Being present personally to another person, to when the, intro, the introductory rite, when the procession takes place in the liturgy, what we are called to do at that point is to put ourselves deliberately in the presence of another person and the other people that have gathered and to make a commitment with them that we will give our lives for them. This is an unbelievable requirement at the beginning of the liturgy uh, that we do ritually over and over and over again until soon by ritual practice, it becomes in our bones, in our heart, to show up, to be there for others, to risk 
exposing our faith and our love to other people. And we do that in our gifted way through music, of course, but we also do it in our everyday and personal life. So I've been talking to musicians across the country during this time, and I've talked to cathedral musicians, uh, John Romeri and uh, Rick Gabala and many other ones who are members of the association. And they tell me that they're busier than ever. <laughs> they're do with their learning how to do your skill, Amanda, about how to deal deal with the of the the auditory and video material that they're now coping with. Uh, they had their tongues hanging out during uh, Easter week uh, with the amount of things. A lot of a lot of other people, some of the pastoral musicians. They have the opportunity during this time of the virus to practice their musical skills. They're saying that they're uh, learning pieces of music that they haven't, uh, they set aside. And so they're deliberately uh, making an effort to improve their skills uh, during this uh, downtime, if I can say it. And then, of course, there's three or four musicians that I've heard from, and I know there's a lot more out there who have lost their jobs with no benefits. And uh, I don't know what I what to say to those people, what we as musicians can say to those people, but uh, they are part of our the friends of NPM, and we've got to find a way to address um, those people too. Mm-hmm. So the vision for NPM is uh, central to me. When uh, I received the uh, award of the of the Jubilate Deo Award as I retired in 2001, uh, my skill was to be the keeper of the vision. So my vision for NPM is that it's an educational association. It's teaching that music is more than music. There's a quality that makes liturgical music something absolutely unique and discovering that unique aspect and thinking about what is it of pastoral music and liturgical music that makes it unique. And that's the balance between the entertainment and the ministry aspect of our work that we all know about, but we drift in that area often into concentrating on the entertainment element of the music and sometimes lose sight of the ministerial aspect. And certainly in this time of the virus, it's gonna test the principle about whether or not listening to church music is in fact the same as being present Love means to be present. And so the act of loving that takes place in making church music requires a gathering, requires a live component. And so it's a time to reflect on that. But the vision of NPM is threefold. It's educational to try and take those members who are just coming to the association and learning about what church music is about. It's social. So it's supporting from our peers in this 
unique and special work that we're involved in that most people don't know what it's about and many people don't care what it's about. And so it's supporting one another. And then third, the association's about advocacy. So education, social, and advocacy uh, are the three prongs for my vision of what NPM was and still should be. Thanks so much to Father Virgil for sharing some insights and division I hope we can continue to uphold. Our next music minister on the podcast today is a pastoral musician who, on top of her normal duties, created a way to minister to her own music ministers from near and far, especially in light of the personal distancing and self-isolation we are experiencing in this particular year. I'd like to introduce Jane Van Houten. My name is Jane Muldoon Van Houten. Um, I work for Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish, which is in the Diocese of Grand Rapids, Michigan. And my, my title is Director of Liturgical Music of the Parish. Great. How long have you been working there? 12 years. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. I know. Nice. Yeah, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And how, so very blessed. How long have you been working in music ministry in general, Jane? Um, I would say off and on in my lifetime, it's been at least 20 years mm-hmm. um, where I've done, you know, music ministry in regards to being an accompanist or a substitute. I was a music teacher in the actual diocese for a number of years as well. I was an associate to a wonderful, wonderful uh, mentor, Peter Kurgel who um, was at St. Robert's with me, and I was his associate for a number of years. So I, it's been a great journey of just kind of continually building my strengths and, and, and gifts, and it's been such a joy to be able to finally have my own parish. I bet. Oh, I bet. <laughs> and I never want to leave them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jane, you did something very, very interesting in light of the self-isolation and social distancing that we're all experiencing right now at the time that we record this. Would you mind just sharing what that is? Um, We created an extraordinary, wonderful virtual choir experience. I I was inspired by, uh, you know, lots of experiences of seeing that on the the social media coming out. And I thought, this is what we need to do when we realized uh, we were sheltered in place. We, you know, that mandate came out and I just realized how am I going to be with my people? And then I was watching these things and thought, I can do this. And so uh, my pastor said uh, for us staying home that we need to be kind of creative in our process. And that kicked it into gear. And we just had a blast putting this stuff together. (laughs) A lot of reviewing, a lot of research, um, trying to make sure I got it all right. And, And then it was just a real fun experience. Right. So when you did start collecting for the virtual choir, how long did it take from the time like you sent the email out to your choristers to the final product? It took about three weeks total. We had a we had a quick timeline because we were really pushing. Um, We wanted it for vigil. So it was a three week period of getting the first initial. I I sent a video message to everybody to kind of empower them to do it because they were I'm certain scared. <laughs> it's a very, very, very fragile thing to do to sing by yourself, right. you know, especially when you're not a professional musician. And they were such champs. Um, so that came out. They all kind of said, yeah, I'm in. And then I started sending all the information out. There was a preparatory 
uh, practice video, and then uh, an email, and then finally uh, the videos were coming in. So it was it was a great experience. It, it went very well, and they did a beautiful job. Mm-hmm. And they did, and everyone who's listening will find that out because with your permission, we're going to put a little bit at the end of our talk, so that's wonderful. Oh, I'd love that. I would love that. <laughs> now, um, you had the choir sing Do Not Be Afraid by Philip Stopford and Gerald Mar- Jared Markland. What made you decide to use that song? You know, that that song has such a great significance. We did it prior to that a couple of years back at Vigil, uh, like three years before, which is one of the reasons why we initiated it. It's such a perfect song or piece regarding Vigil because it's, it's, and it really made an impact for me for this year's Vigil because gospel, you know, the gospel was, it ends with basically do not be afraid. And it's really integral at this time. I mean, there's so much uncertainty, so much anxiety that I thought this is the perfect one to say he's at our side. Don't fear. And it's from Isaiah 43, which is based upon. So it's a great text. And um, it just had so much power to it. That middle part of it when it says, you are mine, oh, my child. And I love you. And I love you. It just this reassurance that God loves us. And we need that so much right now. <laughs> so much. We, we definitely do. We absolutely do. So you mentioned that you, of course, involved your current music ministers. Did you get a chance to involve any previous or former music ministers due to technology right now? Yeah, this is the best part was I was thinking, you know, we have a a relatively good sized choir, but we also had a lot of people who had left over the years because of moving to different states or have sung with us in the past and loved doing it, but couldn't be here all the time because you're in college or whatnot. So I sent on, on Facebook, anybody who's interested and even actually touched to people I knew that we're in our past years. Would you like to join us? And it was so wonderful because we had people from Wisconsin, Indiana, the east side of the state. I mean, it was so neat to have all these voices that we haven't seen in a while to be a part of us. And it was just it's like a big family that like reunion. I was just going <laughs> to say, it sounds like a joy. reunion. <laughs> yeah. And then our string players and our who I always have at East, you know, Eastern Christmas, they were so sad because they were so excited to be a part of all of our shenanigans, as we say. <laughs> and uh, they were like, you know, I said, you want to do this? And they're like, yes. And so it was just one of, and the oboist, I mean, we were just so blessed because everybody was coming to it with such joy mm-hmm. and it made everybody excited about a project mm-hmm. and it gave everybody a purpose, which I, I just think was so ideal, so ideal. Now, how did you assemble and engineer all of these different videos? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> that was so crazy. Um, the technology we used, I mean, we originally, I just, like I said, gave out a uh, practice video, mm-hmm. which also was a recording video. Okay. So they utilized that to practice and then it, it taught them how to record. It was very simple. And then, uh, thing that happened though we realized was everybody comes to different ways of of recording i mean we have different apparatuses mainly uh you know ipads to iphones to you know pcs to macs so we were all you know fielding a lot of q and a's which was fun of how to do <laughs> this kind of process but it worked so beautifully because we made it so that it went to a google account and so everything converted into a Google Doc, and then it 
could be utilized for both the sound engineer, Jackie Guype, who was amazing, and my son, Jacob Van Houten, who's a great video engineer. And they both took it as they could, and that's how it went so exponentially well, was they were able to, you know, do it at the same time, which is brilliant. That's yeah, a, it works so fast. That's a great tip to have everything uploaded into a unified Google Drive designated for a project like this. They all just uploaded it, and it was easy. And I then I double checked it to make sure it was there and was listening. And the greatest thing about this was the teachable moment for all of us, including me as a director. How often do you get to hear each voice? I mean, never. Right. <laughs> So I got to hear each voice individually beautifully, and they got to also hear their voices individually. And it, it, it was very harrowing. And we had many, many wonderful threads, email threads that were hysterically funny about people saying, oh, my gosh, I sound like this or that and the other. And they were so cute because they were so self-deprecating. They didn't see how this could work. And yet when we all bring them together... It was so beautiful. I mean, and you can tell every voice is very individual. You can hear there's starts and stops at different places. It's not perfect, but neither are we, you know, yeah. and neither is our choir. And we love what we do. And that was the joy of, of bringing it all together. So, but that was the hardest part was making sure everybody could do the recording proper. We had a little ping at the beginning of it, which helped line up everything. Mm-hmm. So everybody had that ping and then it was a long wait and then they started to sing um and that's that's what helped with also the editing process Hmm. this this is pretty you know there's so many cool things out there of how to do this Mm -hmm. and if you find the right videos it helps a great deal you know that's what Mm -hmm. helped me a lot so how did you share this with your community how did they find out about your final product oh i had i had the creative idea of doing a a trailer (laughs) I put together a little trailer, which was a blast um, on iMovie, and it was so much fun. And I put together just, you know, saying how this is a momentous experience for all of us to share with you. And then the best thing was when we did our live streaming for, for this is what we chose to do it for was the live streaming of Easter Vigil. Um, we put it out there and we, you know, watch it 845 tonight to our community on all our our social media and the beauty was it was a blast because they had a timer mm-hmm. <laughs> and people were counting down to it and it was really wonderful because it just it it was very very beautiful prelude to the mass mm-hmm. so that's how we shared it and then it's gone gaga we had like two 2.5 k you know hits and it's been just really wonderful to see the the outreach of um, people that are enjoying this. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're excited. We're excited we could share some joy. <laughs>
The full recording and YouTube video of Jane's virtual choir is available in the show notes of this episode. Next on the episode is John Halloran, who is the chapter director of the NPM San Antonio chapter, as well as a music minister to multiple churches and parishes in the San Antonio region. Today, John shares with us a highlight of his music ministry, as well as the reasons why he's an NPM member most today. I'm John Halloran. Uh, I'm in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, I minister in the Archdiocese here in different ways. My home parish is St. Francis of Assisi, and uh, I direct the Spanish choir there. Uh, I oversee music at Padua Place, which is where we have our retired priests that need assisted living. Um, And then I also help out at an economically disadvantaged parish, Christ the King, which is a wonderful community. Uh, And I actually lead the music there three times a week, and I help with their music ministry in in different ways as well. Um, So I have some different experiences, Spanish and English, and really fun uh, way to make sure that I'm uh, kept sane, (laughs) that I feel my free time. Uh, I'm also I'm also the NPM chapter director here, and our you know we're we're NPM chapter of the Archdiocese of San Antonio, which comes out to NPM Casa, which gives it a little bilingual flair. And uh, one of the things we're working on actually, uh, and hope to have a Zoom meeting this week about, is uh, a news a bilingual newsletter that we're hoping to start producing. So um, we're doing some things. Awesome! That sounds so great. Now. How long have you been working in pastoral ministry, John? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I started playing guitar at, in sixth grade when I was at St. Gregory's Elementary School, and the sisters there worked with us. And um, gosh, that's 1970. So it's been um, 40 years. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, uh, I was in youth choir in high school. Uh, when Pope John Paul came here to San Antonio, we had a 200-member high school youth choir. That was 1987, and I oversaw that. Um, so I've been doing it quite a while. I'm a founder, a co-founder of our our Southern Choir, uh, which just celebrated its 30th anniversary. Oh, well, congratulations! So, yeah, thanks. So we've been doing a few things here, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um, sounds like it. We actually hosted 19. 19- 90? Is that right? I'm trying to think how far back this went. Um, it was, I want to say it was the first regional for MPM. I know Virgil was here. We had these two guys come in, Dan Schutte and Tim Mannion, and they, they did a couple of new songs at the time, something called Here I Am, Lord, and City of God, and I don't know. I, they may have clicked somewhere. I've never um, heard of them. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> it was great. We had, we had Carrie Landry here. I remember that. Uh, we had a day. It was really cool. I've never seen this since, and I've always thought each diocese that hosts this should have this. Archbishop Fury, our Archbishop at the time, got all 300 or something of our priests, ordered them to spend a day with Virgil. And he went through all the chants. And, you know, back then, we didn't have CDs. We didn't have internet streaming. We didn't have anything. And so the sacramentary was new at that point, fairly new. Um, I guess 15 years old or something. But the thing is that when it came out, there were no recordings of all the chants that were in there in English. You know, they had all the, the guys had been through seminary for the most part in Latin before this, you know, 
And so Virgil would do it with them. And so I remember that mass with all those priests, every one of those priests, and they chanted and we responded. It was so cool. Mm. I wish that some of them had kept the chant, but <laughs> they did it and they learned it. And it was pretty cool. And um, it was a neat experience. It was really neat that that week was a very interesting experience. Yeah, I, I hate to, to point this out to you, John, but if you started playing in 1970, I think it was 50 years. Is it really that long now? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow, I guess it is 50 years, isn't it? Wow, I hadn't thought about that. It's, 19, it's, it's 2020, not 2010. Yeah, yeah that's right. So wow. that just means you have to do a 50th anniversary party for yourself this year. Uh, you know, I probably should. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, one of the, a buddy of mine that I went to kindergarten with was playing guitar with me in sixth grade at mass. And we just, we, we have been friends forever. And we were just talking this week about some of the things we did in grade school and with those sisters. So yeah, we should, when this is all over, we should somehow get together and do something. <laughs> now, um, you know, the, the current situation aside, you know, of course our, our current all self-isolating live streaming existence right now, other than that, I was hoping that you wouldn't mind to share just with the listeners maybe one or two highs or challenges that you've had in your 50 years in music ministry. Oh, wow. Um, a good challenge uh, and a high at the same time was in 1987 when uh, the Pope came. Um, uh, I was, the Archdiocese actually put out a, a, a note in the Archdiocesan paper that just said they were forming a youth choir uh, before this, before this mass. And so what they wanted was they solicited tapes, you know, uh, audition tapes in essence. And uh, so I got together, we had, our choir was huge. We had almost 80 people. And um, yeah, and so I got together with a few of them and we had we had some, you know, young adults, it was us in our twenties back then, um, who got together and, uh, you know, we did the instrumentation and all, we pulled them all in together I remember going into the, the cry room in the church because it was small and it was really cool. The sound was uh, really good in there. And about, I don't know, 10 members of the choir. And we did a song two years before I had led the group from the diocese to the very first World Youth Day. So we did the theme song from that from that World Youth Day that had been translated into English. And wow. we sang it, recorded it, sent it in. And um, about three or four days later, I got a phone call from the Office of Worship that they wanted me to come down and I, I went down there and, and uh, they asked me if I would lead the group. And they told me the group was gonna be four choirs together. And so it came out to about 200 people. And uh, wow. back then, back then the, uh, you know, you didn't have one license, you didn't have things like that. And so we had to call each of the, you know, publishers independently and, um, some of the exasperated remarks where you have 200 people, how many copies do you want to make for free? For what? You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. It was something else. And uh, so we got them to do it. But here was the interesting part. You, we had to memorize it. Everybody had to memorize their parts. Wow. And we could use no music that day because it was going to be televised live on national TV. And it was the only Sunday mass uh, that Pope John Paul was doing. And so the whole I mean, like literally the whole day was telecast live all day from the morning to the end of it. And so um, we did, we memorized it. We had 200 kids and we had rehearsals all summer. And because they're high school kids, you have to combine them with stuff. So we went on the Guadalupe River and went intertubing 
with them one day and then, you know, had a rehearsal. We did a volleyball match between the different parishes another day and had a rehearsal, a barbecue. We did dance. We did all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff. It was a crazy summer. It was wonderful, though. It was kind of cool. Um, but that was a challenge. That was a real challenge. One thing that happened out of that that was really special, we planned the music as if we were going to do the mass, okay? So we took the readings for that particular Sunday, and the four choir directors together got together, and we planned the music. And it was all stuff that was, you know, back then would have been the, uh, you know, the, the latest and greatest. You know, we did Though the Mountains May Fall. Um, we did a medley. We, we did a medley of One Red, One Body, and Be Not Afraid. Um, we did, we decided to do Byword, Amy Grant's Byword. And one of the choir directors actually wrote a letter to Word Publishing, where, you know, she recorded through, he published through, and she had written the music. Well, she was so excited that we wanted to do one of her songs. She sent us rehearsal tapes in the key we wanted to do it in, music for every person. I mean, it was incredible. So everybody got a copy, they got the keep. Uh, She was the only one that did that, you know, and she wasn't even a Catholic, you know. Um, and then we, we actually put together, we did a mass the week beforehand with all the pastors. We did a, and, and parishioners, we had about, I don't know, 800 people or something show up to that. That was pretty cool. We had a, uh, uh, in our own parish, you know, we would, we would, uh, you know, sing the songs throughout so everybody would learn them. Uh, I remember we had to learn massive creation. That was a big thing back then that was everyone <laughs> learning it. Um, and that was what was going to be used for that Sunday mass. So, um, you know, it it was, like I said, it was a challenge, but it was fun. Now, last question for you today, John. Uh, So, of course, you are clearly involved with NPM, of course. You know, you're chapter director. Some people call you the mayor of the uh, convention scene for NPM. Oh, yeah, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, I've heard that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) But my my question to you is, what's the number one reason you're a member of NPM right now? Oh my gosh, the number one reason that's that's difficult because you know I go for a lot of I go for my diocese because we're a poor diocese and I make it a point to attend because I meet with the publishers, the composers, I go to those workshops, those showcases. I want to hear the music, I want to see what's being presented, I want to know what they can what I can take back to these parishes, okay, what I can bring back to them. And I do my best to do that. I send out the whole week we're there. I'm sending out blogs. I'm uh, telling what's going on. Uh, I'm bringing back music samples. I'm connecting people with the publishers, you know, uh, uh, parishes that don't have whatever. I'm meeting with the publishers to let them know, hey, this doesn't work in our diocese, you know, and, and telling them why, you know, um, uh, or, or this works, you know, this is a great opportunity. This is awesome. Thank you so much. You know, I let them know that, I gave them the feedback. I think that's so vital and so important. For me personally, I think that is the number one reason why I go. Um, number two and three is the fellowship. Is, you know, being around all the people that I've been around with for years, but even the new people, uh, you know, people that are doing the music makers, you know, they're doing them in their own parishes and their own dioceses and hearing their stories. And then, you know, sense knowing I'm not alone, but at the same time knowing that maybe some of my experience can help them you know, and whatever they're doing. Um, and that's a big thing. That's a huge thing. So I, I really, I'm going to miss this year so much because I'm not going to be able to see people, you know. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's it's rewarding to, to be able to go there and, and affirm my ministry and help affirm theirs. 
Last but certainly not least, I am honored to end our 100th episode with my conversation with Charlene Dorian. Charlene has been involved in pastoral music ministry for 72 years. She was kind enough to share some highlights from her decades in music ministry in which she is still active and the advice she can give to those who have only been involved in music ministry for, let's say, 71 years. My name is Charlene Dorian. I live in Silver Spring, Maryland, and my church is St. John the Baptist on New Hampshire Avenue in Silver Spring. Wonderful. Now, Charlene, how long have you been in pastoral ministry? Well, my first gig was uh, in sixth grade playing for the Stations of the Cross on Friday afternoons. I was 12 years old, or 11 years old, so I guess that's 72 years. Wow, that's amazing. (laughs) That's great. So you've You've seen a lot of things, and of course, you, you, you've been a part of a lot of people's memories. Oh, yes. I, not to put you on the spot, but are there any specific memories or highlights you have in your 72 years of music ministry? Well, it, it varied a lot. I grew up in Pittsburgh, so there were, the, there were the interesting times, uh, like when, I, when my first child was born, and a pastor in a neighboring church asked me to put together a women's choir who could only sing from the church floor because women were not allowed in the choir loft in those days. And I can remember putting the baby in a little carrier. This was before things were so uh, restrictive. This was just a little thing that almost looked like a basket, taking her to choir practice every Wednesday night and thinking, this is really a neat thing to do. (laughs) because that was, you know, I I was an at-home mother. That was about all I could do at the time. So that goes way back. And then, well, of course, I was around for all of the changes in the 1960s and 70s, and that was exciting. I came in to the current role I have by accident. You want to hear that? I do. I do. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, my daughter, my second daughter, was playing flute for her confirmation. And, of course, I had to take her to practice. She wasn't driving. And the ensemble who was providing the music for the service said, well, you, you've been singing over there in the corner. Why don't you sing with us? I said, okay. So then that was in 1974, I guess. In 70, she continued playing with the group then. It was great fun. 1978, the leader moved away, and the pastor asked me if I would try to hold the the group together for the summer. And I said, okay, I would be the substitute, or I would be the temporary coordinator. And that was in 1978. So what is that, 40-some years? I'm still the temporary coordinator of the (laughs) 9 o'clock ensemble at St. John the Baptist Church. Yeah, that's funny. I, I hope maybe someday, Charlene, you'll go to permanent status. Well, possibly, but, I, you know, I, I mean, I don't want to hold on to the position. It's a lofty position, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's volunteer, but anyway, it's been fun. Good. Charlene, how long have you been involved with NPM? 
Well, my church was involved in the very beginning. The pastor sent that gal who was our leader and moved away, sent her to Scranton in 1976. My first event was the convention in Pittsburgh in 1982. Um, I didn't really get involved in a lot. I, I went to conventions later on, but I had the four kids and a husband who worked all the time, Mm-hmm. So I didn't really get involved, actually, until I was widowed in 2000. Oh, wow. And then I, then I was able to, to do more, get involved in the local chapter and so forth. Did the newsletter for them for a while. What do you see as a value of being a member of NPM? <sighs> Is it just knowing that there are others like you? Um, it. Church music, especially in in our crazy church with all its wonderful ups and downs, um, can be a daunting task. You know, are you going in the right direction? Are you, and, uh, you know, of course, the goal, always participation of the assembly, and you trust that you're doing the right thing, and just being surrounded by people in that same situation, um, it's wonderful. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. That's that's why so many people are members of NPM, too. Uh, so if you had a chance to share maybe some nuggets of wisdom or reflections for NPM members and just listeners to the podcast who maybe have not ministered for 72 years, maybe only 71, <laughs> um, what, what, what advice could you give them? I think, first of all, you have to have a great dash of humility. Because you can't know for sure that what you're doing all the time is the right way to go. You're juggling so many things. You're juggling your position in the in the parish in which you work. Um, you know, do do they see you as the team player you think you are? Um, being not being complacent, knowing that, that just because what you were doing for the last four or five or ten or ever many years worked, maybe maybe there is another way to go. Maybe you need to look at each, each season with fresh eyes. And, of course, always read, read, read. Attend whatever you can. And be supportive in your local chapter because the buddies in your ministry in the area need you. Bless the Lord who fills my soul Forgives and heals our wounds, crowning all with mercy. Thank you to all of my interviewees today. It was a joy, truly, to speak to pastoral musicians across the country today. It reminded me of a few key points. Number one, we share joy in what we do. 
We are ministers of music, yes, but we are ministers of inclusion, ministers of joy. We bring joy and life to so many people's lives, including our own. I heard phrases today like, how am I going to be with my people in the midst of the COVID-19 outbreak that we're currently living in? That gives me proof and joy in my heart to see how we so depend on our ministers as well as their dependence on us. Number two, we make music that's more than music. We are blessed with the gift of ministering in good and difficult times for our community, including the one we're currently facing. And number three, it's so important for us as music ministers to feel that we are not alone. Our vocation and calling into music ministry can sometimes feel misunderstood by many as we sacrifice weekends and rehearsals for what we do. But being in camaraderie and support with one another, both locally or nationally, either through NPM or otherwise, is a vital component to our work as well. Thank you for the last 100 episodes of fellowship, following, and listening. We hope the next 100 episodes continue to bring you formation, insight, and a deeper appreciation for all we do. The recording of Bless the Lord, My Soul was produced by GIA Publications, and today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thank you for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday. Serve and do God.